0: Well, we are in Matthew chapter five, and so we are tackling the Beatitudes because that's what we are memorizing as a church. And this teacher's heart just believes you need to understand what you're memorizing. So let's um, remember that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is describing life in the kingdom of heaven. And although there are several aspects to the kingdom of heaven, this aspect is referring to a body of believers who are in the world. So people all over the world who are a part of the body of Christ are in the world, not of the world, and they are designated the kingdom of heaven. And these are believers who are under the rule or the authority of King Jesus. Remember that Matthew is showing us Jesus as king. And so King Jesus is describing to us life in the kingdom and so the citizens of the kingdom of heaven have very different priorities and different lifestyles and attitudes than those people who are citizens of the world two different kingdoms with very different characters all living on the earth so jesus lays the foundation for the whole sermon on the mount by verses that are referred to as the beatitudes And they are eight declarations of blessedness. And this is more than a superficial happiness. It's a state of spiritual well-being. So the lifestyle and attitudes here uh, describe righteousness that is opposite the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. And so Jesus said, if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will... In no wise inherit the kingdom of heaven. So um, these Pharisees would have been shocked at what Jesus was saying. Because what's he been saying? He says, starts off with what? Can you say it? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, Pharisees weren't about being poor in spirit. They were about being in control and self-centered and proud. And so uh, they were shocked at what Jesus is saying. They probably thought it was foolish. So Jesus begins by telling us how to enter the kingdom of heaven. So because let's see if you can, if you don't want to say it out loud, say it in your mind. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit is to realize that we are all spiritual beggars. To be poor in spirit means that we know that we have nothing to offer to the Lord for our salvation. We're totally dependent on his mercy and his grace. I have no way to earn my way. I have no way to spiritually impress God. I have nothing. So I'm poor in spirit. And what does Jesus say about those people? Theirs is the what? What? kingdom of heaven all aspects of the kingdom of heaven and then he says number two blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted so this kind of mourning is not mourning over the death of a loved one this kind of mourning is mourning or grieving over sin and this is a part of the process that leads to true repentance a life of repentance, which is characteristic of the kingdom. So we looked at scripture last week that said godly sorrow leads to repentance. And what is repentance? It's a change of mind. It's a change of mind about what I do. It's a change of mind about who I am. It's a change of mind about what God says. And so we are comforted when we bring our sins to the cross, where they are cleansed by the blood of Jesus and we're forgiven. That's immeasurable comfort. Well, then he says, and this is where we are today, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is not weakness. You know, some people want to think of people being meek as people who never take a stand for anything, and they're just kind of cringing and back off that's that's not this kind of meekness some translations say gentle some some say blessed are the gentle some say blessed are the humble so you're going to get different translations there but what we're really talking about when we're talking about meekness um, some summarize it by saying that it refers to someone who is not consumed with his own agenda so that's a good way to think about it. But remember a few months ago, we spent a long time talking about brokenness. Remember our lessons on brokenness? Um, we said that when the Bible talks about brokenness, it's like breaking a horse. Farmers use this same word here to describe a colt that had been broken and was tamed and whose strength and power was channeled for good. So when we talked about brokenness, we saw that to break a horse is not to kill him, not to hurt him. It's to make him so that he is usable. It's to channel that power. It's to give him some boundaries so that he can be his best self. And so when he says here, blessed are the meek, he's talking about a person who has given control to someone else. The strength is still there. Um, The power is still there, but it's not self-assertive it is submitted and in this situation who is it submitted to the authority of God to the Lord so we're going to come under his authority we're going to be tamed by him and so we're submissive and so when he talks about being meek he's talking about submitting to God Um, notice the sequence when you know that you're spiritually bankrupt and you mourn over your sinfulness, then the next step is you want to submit to God. So he's got a sequence going here. Poor in spirit, blessed are they, mourn over their sin. And what do you do when you get to that place? You want to submit to him. You submit to him in meekness or brokenness. And so you give up your own will, you give up your own agenda, and you come under God's divine control. That's what it is to be meek. So we see this immeasurable mercy of God, and we become pliable and flexible in God's hands. So when he says, blessed are the meek, he's talking about those who have become tamed by God, those who have become controlled by God's will, those who submit to God's will. You know, the strength of a horse is no good unless it's under control, is it? Wild horses are beautiful to look at, but if you want them to be race horses or horses that are usable, what do they have to be? They have to be broken. So you're going to take that power and understand what it is to put it under the reins of an authority. And so that's what he's talking about here when he says, Blessed are the meek. So, what's the sequence? You realize you cannot do anything about your own sinfulness, and you Humble yourself before the Lord. You submit to the Lord. Um, Do you think Jesus was weak? Shake your head. No. Jesus was not weak. He wasn't a coward. But he said what? I only do what the Father tells me. And so I have, Jesus is saying, I have yielded my life to the Father meekness meekness his power was under the father's control he gave up his rights and so what did Jesus say he said the meek will inherit the earth now what does that mean to inherit the earth well the word inherit means to receive an allotted portion so basically it means that the meek person is going to have a place in the kingdom Now, again, there are aspects of the kingdom. There's the kingdom of heaven as it is in the earth now. The day will come when Jesus will rule on the earth and there will be a kingdom of heaven in the millennial kingdom. So there will be heaven. But what he's saying is the meekness gives you an allotted place in the kingdom of heaven, wherever it is and whatever aspect it is in. Psalm 149 verse 4 says this, For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people... He will beautify the meek with salvation. That's an interesting verse. We won't tear off on it. But he will beautify the meek with salvation. What does that tell you? It tells you that meekness and salvation go together. Now, meekness is commanded by God. But now, here we go. Only the meek are saved. Only the meek are saved. There's the process. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I know I cannot save myself. Blessed are they that mourn. I mourn over sin. Blessed are the meek. Those who are going to submit to the rule of God. James chapter 4 says, God resisteth the proud but gives grace to the who humble or the meek. So the more we grasp meekness, the more we grasp humility, the more grace he's going to give us. James 1.21, this is King James. It says this, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So you see, all of this fits together for saved people, for us to be saved. So be willing to accept and to submit to God and his word without resistance. That's meekness. Um, You have to bow to receive the gospel. I think for me, that's one of the best word pictures in my mind I can gather for salvation. To receive the gospel, you have to bow you bow to what it says. You bow to the fact that you can't save yourself. You bow to the fact that sin is, causes grief. You bow to the fact that you want to submit yourself to the rule of God. And so meekness glorifies God because it gives everything back to him. It puts us in that position under him of giving him everything back and of being his to be a vessel that he can use because he is taming us as we submit our power, our personal power, our personal ability to him. Now, see, that's opposite to the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Pharisees thought they were good enough. They ought to be able to go into the kingdom because they were hot stuff. So he says, "Uh uh-uh. So Jesus is telling them stuff, and the Pharisees are going, is this not the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? And Jesus is saying, what? Let me tell you. This is the kingdom of heaven. These are the characteristics. These are the qualities of the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've been playing a little bit because sometimes symbols help me to memorize. And so when we started, I can't do all of this. Many years ago, I took some courses in American Sign Language, and I can't remember all of that. That's just the way it is. But in reviewing. Here we go. And if you want to, you can do it with me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amy, you know this stuff. You can come up here and do it with me. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now watch meek. Blessed are the meek. See that? What's happening in meekness? I'm coming under that authority. All right, so here we go. Poor in spirit, mourn meek, or they shall inherit the earth. All right, so meekness begins with recognizing that I have no ability to save myself. I recognize that apart from the grace of God, the power of God, I cannot be saved. I cannot enter the kingdom. I have to tell you this because it struck me. In fact, Lori and I looked at each other in church last Sunday. Only God can do this, and and you never know why God is doing this. But do you remember last Sunday in Sunday school, I gave you the illustration of when I was doing continuing witness training for First Baptist Buck Cannon many years ago. And you go up and you knock on a door and you say, if God were to let, ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And that tells you a lot. So I use that illustration. And then, aha, what did the pastor do last Sunday? Same thing. Now, listen to me. When those kinds of things happen, you know that God is at work. You know that God is speaking, but may not know who he's speaking to, may not know who he's dealing with. I was telling Amy before Sunday school that when I taught a class at the Atlanta speech school, I had a class of language impaired children. A little boy came up to me one day and he said, Oh, Miss Sewell, my nose keeps coming unblowed. That's what's happening to me today. My nose keeps coming unblown, <clears throat> but when God is doing that, you know, and I, I'm kind of into that because I'm reading. Uh, many of you did experiencing God, did you? The Henry Blackaby experiencing God. Well, 2021 came out with an updated version in its book, and I've been reading that book, and I've been reminding reminded of watching for the activity of God around us, and so <clears throat> you know you know that but you bow to receive the gospel, and you recognize that as a Christian, you cannot accomplish anything. I cannot accomplish anything in my life, in my own fleshly strength to accomplish anything on the divine level. If God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. Then what? Number four in the sequence. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Some translations say they shall be filled. Now, remember that these are characteristics of those who are in the kingdom of God. This is a spiritual kingdom where God rules in the hearts and lives of those who believe in him. There is true satisfaction, true happiness and joy in the kingdom of God. This is not a shallow happiness that's dictated by circumstances. This is deep inner joy and satisfaction. So once we've seen our sin and submitted to the rule of God, then there's going to be a deeply felt need for righteousness. And I I guess I see happening in my life that that's, Partnered, isn't it, with mourning over sin? You know, when we mourn over sin, whether it's our own sin or the sins of somebody we love or the sins in the nation, the sins in the world, when we mourn over sin, what are we doing? We're longing for righteousness. And so they kind of go together here. And so we've seen our sin. We submit to the rule of God. There's this deeply felt need for righteousness. And so we want to pursue righteousness. It becomes a, um, a target for us. Uh, it's our ambition. It's on our minds that we want to be righteous. So in the heart of an unbeliever is a hunger for sin. An unbeliever finds his satisfaction in sin. And so when the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us and we are saved, that Holy Spirit brings into us a hunger for righteousness because he is righteous. And that's why one of the reasons why there's such warfare, such tension when we as Christians still have those sins that we love. Mm. They're there We still like them. We think, oh, I live under grace. And so we go back and forth. But what's happening is I'm losing the power that God is giving to us to change the world when I compromise sin, when I have those pet sins that we've talked about. And so he brings within us as the Holy Spirit a hunger for righteousness. And so in Christ there is true bread. In Christ there is living water. And those... Are going to satisfy us. So I need to ask myself a question. I need to ask myself what do I really hunger for? What do I really hunger and thirst for? What what is characteristic of me in my life? What do I long for? What's my priority? Am I chasing the wrong things. Now the world would have us, even as believers, chase things, making us believe that worldly things are going to satisfy us. And Jesus says, mm, ain't happening. And so there's this, in the believer, there's this abiding desire for righteousness. When your sins are dealt with, you go, <sighs> that is satisfaction. You're relieved. You're released from the sin. Because that relationship with the Lord is in place. So when you have hungered and thirsted for righteousness and been satisfied out of all of that is going to flow the next Beatitudes. Okay? Are you getting them in your mind? Blessed are the Poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn over their sin, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth as we come under the authority of God. And when we get to that place, we're going to want to be righteous. Want to be righteous. And so when I get to that place, I'm going to realize the grace and the mercy that God has given to me to bring me to that place. And so the next one is, blessed are the merciful. What's that going to do? It's going to show up in my life as giving mercy to others or we're gonna, that will be next week, but let's, I want to get it in your mind. Blessed are the merciful. And as I start to give mercy, then he says, blessed are the pure in heart. What is a pure heart? Is it a perfect heart? No, it is an undivided heart. It is a heart that accepts poor in spirit, mourn, meek, hunger and thirst after righteousness, showing mercy because I've obtained mercy And I want my heart to be focused on that and not divided between those things and worldly things. And then, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers. All right, you got it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Or they shall be satisfied. So there it is. There's the picture that I want clearly painted in your minds. And repetition teaches, right? So here we go. There's an understanding of spiritual bankruptcy. Weeping over sin and meekness. And the heart crying out for, the righteous, for righteousness. Righteousness. And when the heart receives that righteousness, we know the mercy we have received and the cleansing that has caused us to have peace with God. And so I'm going to become merciful. And I'm going to look at other people with pity. Unbelievers with pity. Now let's talk for just a minute about what is righteousness. We've got another minute. What is righteousness? What is righteousness? Now remember that Jesus called for a righteousness that exceeded the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Righteousness, some people will say righteousness is the, st- is the state of being right. Well, that's not wrong, but it's God's rightness. The state of being right with God. The state of being right with God. Righteousness really is the sum total of all of the requirements of God. It's the sum total of all of the attributes of God. And so that's righteousness. So to hunger and thirst after righteousness is this inherent longing to please God. To hate sin. We are not born with that longing. Unsaved people don't have that longing. How do we get it? The activity of God, he gives it to us. He plants it in us. He, call, he creates an activity that causes us to understand that we cannot save ourselves and to mourn over our sin and to become meek and submit to him. He does all of that. That is a work of God. So God puts it in our hearts, and it is a desire to live and walk the way God says live and walk. That's what righteousness is. It is a desire to live and walk the way God says, live and walk. If you ever spend time mourning over sin, and remember we said last week that you won't just be poor in spirit one time and then it'll go away. And then you won't just be mourning over your sin one time and it'll go away, you're done with it. What happens, the longer you're a believer, you're going to continue to do all of those things. You're going to continue to be more and more poor in spirit I realize more today that I cannot save myself than I realized 10 years ago 50 years ago whatever I realize today what it is to mourn over sin more than I understood when I was in high school or college I understand what it is today to submit to the Lord to the rule of the Lord more today than I did so these are not things that once you do them okay you've checked it off These are things that become a lifestyle and they grow. They mature. And so they go on and on and on and on. And so we're living in a world today that it's hard to look around and see much hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Do you see what Satan has done to us when he deceives us into thinking, okay, all right, you're saved. So... It's okay for you to do a little bit of this and this and this. Well, what's happening? I'm not mourning over sin. And I'll tell you, we've talked about this before. You know, there there are movies that I could not watch today that I could watch when I was in college. Is anybody there with me? What's happened? Over a period of time, what has happened? My heart has started going, oh. And so, Satan would love nothing more than to weaken the church by causing us to excuse sin that is now popular. And when the church is weakened, what's going to happen? Evangelism is weakened. The message of the gospel is weakened. So, Do we as church members really do that? I saw this quote, and I don't know who the quote is from, and I want to close with this quote. I want you to listen to it very carefully. A lot of people think that Christianity is you doing all the righteous things you hate and avoid doing all the wicked things you love in order to go to heaven. I'm going to say that again. A lot of people think that Christianity is you doing all of the righteous things you hate. You're going to suck it up and do good. And avoid all the wicked things you really love. In order to go to heaven. No. That is a lost man with religion. Now I want you to stop and think. Because it is one thing to be in the church It's another thing to be in Christ. It's perfect when you've got both. A Christian is a person whose heart has been changed. And they have new affections. What are those affections? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, over their sin, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then, what's going to happen? Those are our responses to God. The next three are responses to fellow man. I'm going to be merciful, and I'm going to be a peacemaker. This is heavy stuff, folks. Pretty rich, isn't it? So let's ask the Lord to reveal to our hearts what we need to know, what we need to change, what we need to repent of, because that godly sorrow, that mourning, that godly sorrow is going to lead to what? It's going to lead to repentance. And you know, if I'm doing something that I feel guilty about, if I just keep on doing it, yeah, the guilt feeling will somehow go away, but there won't be satisfaction. Somewhere we come back to the cross and repent. And we take those steps again. We're in spirit. Mourn over sin. Meek. Bow to the Lord. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. And then God begins to put us in that position where he can use us in powerful ways and then we'll be able to look around and see where he is work at work and join him in what he is doing let's pray lord talking about this doesn't get it done the work of your holy spirit in us is what changes us and i pray that you will do in each one of us in our minds and our hearts whatever it is you need to do to bring us to the place where you want us to be That the gospel might be shouted, not with words and loud preaching, but by our walk. As we encounter people throughout our communities every day to lead them to Christ. So would you bless us today and cleanse our hearts for this worship and cause all eyes to be on Jesus. We thank you for the precious ones in our class and what good fellowship we have with each other. We pray for those who could not be here today and pray that you will continue to work to bring healing, physical healing to our community and to get us back in the open freedom that we miss and that we realize now we took for granted for so many years. So help us and raise us up and glorify your name in this place. I pray in the almighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Be studying, memorizing next week. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy.